Welcome to Pardon the Confusion and Boys of Summer. This is a dual podcast, and my name is Paul Arnold. I thought you would enjoy some famous audio clips that will get you ready for baseball. Spring training has started, pitchers and catchers have reported, and despite all the news about cheating and how baseball isn't as fun as it used to be, listen to some of these great old-time clips, famous announcers like Ernie Howell and Vin Scully. And you might be surprised some of these old songs too. So if you've loved baseball for any length of time, listen and enjoy. Don't worry what's the weather outside. It's baseball time. Now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we invite you to rise and please sing as John Kiley plays our national anthem. Those early years were lots of fun, and though they lost more than they won, baseball had returned to Baltimore. Put two Robbies in the mix, and by 1966, the Orioles had put the Dodgers down in four. I'm talking baseball, Gentile and John Orsino, Oriole baseball, Hoyt and Aparicio, the Kitty Core, Triandos, Billy Lowe's. Where was Jackie Brent? Nobody knows. I'm talking baseball, baseball and the O's. Earl came upon the scene. Each year they had a winning team. Played smart. Baseball is a president tossing out the first ball of the season and a pudgy schoolboy playing catch with his dad on the Mississippi farm. A tall, thin old man waving a scorecard from the corner of his dugout. That's baseball. And so is a big, fat guy with a bulbous nose running home one of his 714 home runs. There's a man in Mobile who remembers that Hannes Wagner hit a triple in Pittsburgh 46 years ago. That's baseball. And so is a scout reporting that a 16-year-old Sandlot pitcher in Cheyenne is a coming Walter Johnson. Baseball is a spirited race of man against man, reflex against reflex, a game of inches. Every skill is measured, every heroic, every failing is seen and cheered or booed and then becomes a statistic. In baseball, democracy shines its clearest. The only race that matters is the race to the bag. The creed is a rule book and color merely something to distinguish one team's uniform from another. Baseball is a rookie. His experience no bigger than the lump in his throat as he begins fulfillment of his dream. It's a veteran, too. A tired old man of 35, hoping that those aching muscles can pull him through another sweltering August and September. 
nicknames of baseball, names like Zeke and Pie and Kai Kai and Home Run and Cracker and Dizzy and Dazzy. Baseball is a clear, cool eyes of Rogers Hornsby, the flashing spikes of Ty Cobb and an overage pixie named Rabbit Moranville. Baseball, just a game as simple as a ball and bat, yet as complex as the American spirit it symbolizes. It's a sport, business, sometimes even religion. Why the fairy tale of Willie Mays making a brilliant World Series catch and then dashing off to play stickball in the streets with his teenage pals, that's baseball. So is the husky voice of a doomed Lou Gehrig saying, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Baseball is cigar smoke, hot roasted peanuts, the sporting news, ladies' day, down in front, take me out to the ball game, the seventh inning stretch, and the star-spangled banner. Baseball is a man named Campanella telling the nation's business leaders, you have to be a man to be a big leaguer, but you have to have a lot of little boy in you too. This is a game for America, this baseball, a game for boys, and for men. Go get it, Willie. Say, hey, Willie, go get it. What do you mean, go get it? Man, that ball's way in left field. I don't care what field is in. Willie plays all field. Every time we come to the game, you're talking about Willie plays all the field. That's right. He plays. Let's call Willie and ask him. Call him. Okay, hey, Willie. Yes. Are you Willie Mays? Yes. Whose ball was that? Why was it? In left field. Well, that's Irving's ball. I told you that. Every time we come to the game, we got to talk about it. The next time, I'm going to sit in the grandstand. Say, I... hey, fellas, what's your name? Say who? Say Willie. Say hey. Say who? Swinging at the plate. Say hey. Say who? Say Willie. That giant kid is great. When he hits the ball, it's long gone man. Hits it farther than camp began. Swings the bat like a little lead pipe. When they reach the ball, it's overripe. Say hey, say who? Say Willie, say hey, say who? Swing it at the plate, say hey, say who? Say Willie, that giant kid is great. He runs the bases like a choo-choo train. Swings around second like an aeroplane. Cap flies off when it passes third, and he heads home like an eagle bird. Say hey, say who? Say Willie, say hey, say who? Swinging at the plate, say hey, say who? Say Willie, that giant kid is great. Yes, he covers center like he had jet shoes. The other batters get the Willie blues. Anything hit his way is out. Man, it just don't pay those guys to clout. Say hey, say who? Say Willie, say hey, say who? Swing it at the plate, say hey, say who? Say Willie, that giant kid is great. Served his Uncle Sam 
dancing an awful jam. But now he's back, and he's Leo's joy, and Willie's still a growing boy. Say hey, say who? Say Willie, say hey, say who? Swinging at the plate, say hey, say who? Say Willie, that giant kid is great. That giant kid is great. Say Willie, what you gonna say? Well, Costello, I'm going to New York with you. You know, Bucky Harris, the Yanks manager, gave me a job as coach for as long as you're on the team. Look, Abbott, if you're the coach, you must know all the players. I certainly do. Well, you know, I, mean, I never met the guys, so you'll have to tell me their names, and then I'll know who's playing on the team. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you their names, but you know, strange it may seem, they give these ball players nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Strange names, pet names, like Dizzy Dean and... His brother Daffy. Daffy Dean. I'm their French cousin. French? Gouffet. Gouffet Dean. Oh, I see. <laughs> Well, let's see, we have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know is on third. That's what I want to find I out. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know is on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You're going to be the coach, too? Yes. And you know the fellow's name? Oh, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who? The guy playing first. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell That's me. That's it. That's who? Yes. <laughs> Look, you got a first baseman? Certainly. Who's playing first? That's right. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. <laughs> All I'm trying to find out is the fellow's name on first base. Who? The guy that gets the That's money. That's it. Who gets the money on he first base? He does, every dollar. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Look, what I want to know is when you sign up the first baseman, how does he sign his name to the who? contract? The guy. Who? How does he sign his That's name? That's how he signs it. Who? Yes. <laughs> What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, don't change the players. I'm right. not changing nobody. Take it easy, buddy. I'm only asking you, who's the guy on first base? That's right. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, what's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on who's second. Who's on first? I don't know. Oh, he's on third. We're not talking about him. Now, let's begin. <laughs> How did I get on third base? Why, you mentioned his name. If I mentioned a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who's playing first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. <laughs> <laughs> Now, who's playing third base? Why do you insist on putting who on third base? What am I putting on third? Uh, what is on second? You don't want who on second? Who is on first? I don't know. Third, third base? base. <laughs> Look, you got outfield? Sure. The left fielder's name. Why? I just thought I'd ask. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Then tell me who's playing left field. Who is playing first? I'm not. Stay out of the infield. No, I want to know what's the guy's name in left field. No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on who's second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third, third base. base. <laughs> Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. Me, he's center field. <laughs> well look, I look, do. look. You got a pitcher on a team? Sure. The pitcher's name? Tomorrow. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you, then man. Go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow you're going to tell me who's pitching? Now, listen. Who is not pitching? I'll who break is... your arm, you say. Who's on first? <laughs> I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base. Got <laughs> a catcher? Certainly. The catcher's name? Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitcher. Now you've got it. All we got is a couple of days on the team. <laughs> you know, I'm a catcher, too. So they tell me. I get behind the plate, do some fancy catching. Tomorrow's pitching on my team, and the heavy hitter gets up. Yes. Now, the heavy hitter bunched the ball. When he bunched the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's all you have to do. Is to throw the ball at first base. Yes. Now, who's got it? Naturally. 
Naturally. Who? Naturally. Naturally? Naturally. So I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. No, you don't. You throw the ball in a hole. Naturally. That's different. That's what I said. You're not saying that. I throw the ball in naturally. You throw it to who? Naturally. That's it. That's what I said. Listen, you ask me. I throw the ball to who? Naturally. Now you ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's Same it. as you. Don't change them around. Same as you. I throw the ball to who? Whoever it is drops the ball and the guy runs a second. Yes. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to? I don't know. I don't know. Throws it back to tomorrow. Triple play. Yes. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caught. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a darn. Well, what? I said I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. I'm in the Ernie Shore was the perfect one When Babe Ruth, he got the thump For a price they sent him down to old New York Things went bad till Cronin came Forty-six, they won again The Sox had Tex and Pesky team with Bobby Dork I'm talking baseball West Farrell and Doc Kramer Boston baseball Zion Trist, the Hall of Famers Dominic Parnell and Jimmy Fox The Thumper just waiting in the box Talking baseball Baseball and the socks. There were triple crowns and MVPs He hit the ball with grace and ease Teddy was as splendid as they come Then Yastrzemski got the call In 67 he did it all And the pennant was flying high Before his work was done I'm talking baseball Jackie Jensen, Reggie Pearsall, Boston Baseball, Reynolds Rico, and Don Schwal, Tony C, the monster Ike the Lock, Lon Borg, and the strange glove of the Doc. We're talking baseball, baseball and the Sox. Talking baseball in New England, Aganis and Smokey Joe. Stevens three hits in one inning. Carlton Fisk and Freddie Lynn. Please come to Boston in the spring. It's a beautiful thing. Boston has tradition, and with the proper ammunition, the Sox will fight from April till the fall. New names join the old, another team unfolds. Stanley's a steal and Greenwell's for real, so let's play ball. I'm talking baseball. Steely Clemens and Conseco, Boston baseball. Alisea and Cordero, John and Mo and Tim can hit the rock. From Framingham down to the Boston docks, they're talking baseball. Baseball and the Sox. Talking baseball, baseball and the socks. I'm talking baseball. Fenway, Fenway, Fenway. Oh, Jimmy Rice was oh so nice when he hit. Fenway, Fenway, Fenway. Talking baseball, baseball and the socks. Fenway, Fenway, Fenway. 
Get him, tiger. Row. We're all behind our baseball team. Go get him, tiger. World Series bound and picking up steam. Go get him, tiger. There'll be joy in Tiger Town. We'll sing you songs when the Bengals bring the pennant home where it belongs. We're all behind our baseball team. Go get them. Detroit Tigers. Go get them, Tigers. We're all behind our baseball team. Hello. You know me, don't you, babe? I can't place your face, but your shadow is very familiar. I'm Lou Gehrig. Now do you remember me? Remember you? After the past summer, I'll never forget you. It's funny you didn't recognize me right away. I played on the same team with you all season. Yes, but you were so close to me, I was afraid to look back to see who you were. I gave you a great race, didn't I, babe? Boy, you ran me ragged. Listen, Lou, how did you get the stocking home run? It was like this. I watched you and read how much money you were getting, and I got to thinking. Thinking? With what? Never mind about with what. I went to college. Columbia, in fact. You've heard of Columbia, haven't you? Sure, that's the college, and Charlie surrounded with delicatessen stores and Yankee Scouts. How many years did you go to college? I was seven years in the freshman class. They can't keep a guy seven years in the same class. That's what I tried to tell them. What good did college do you? I didn't go to college, and look at me. I got further than you did. I know, but only six or seven home runs further. I'm young yet. Give me a chance. Say, babe, no fooling. You were my hero when I was in college. Why did you have to pick on me? You shouldn't be sore, babe. There's room for both of us in baseball. Tell that to the enemy pitchers. Do you remember when I first reported to the Yanks, babe? <laughs> Do I? You were so green, the groundkeepers tried to go over you with a rake. I was just a raw student. I don't know anything about the student part of it, but I'll tell the world you were raw. As a matter of fact, the first day you reported, I didn't see your face at all. I couldn't keep my eyes off your feet. What was the matter with my feet? They were so big, I thought you were standing in a couple of tr trucks. Is there any truth in the story that you sell old shoes for bungalows? Oh, never mind my feet. I don't mind them if you don't. You're no Apollo Belvedere yourself. No who? Apollo Belvedere. You know who Apollo Belvedere was, don't you, babe? He's one of those new Washington pitchers, ain't he? Gee, but you're dumb, babe. Hey, listen, Big Feet. Don't you call anybody dumb. When you first joined the Yanks, you were so dumb, we had to number all the players so you could find out which side you played on. Gee, was I that bad? Lou, I don't want to be hard on you. You're a good kid and I like you. But you were so dumb, you thought the St. Louis Cardinals were appointed by the church. When Huggins told us we were to meet the senators, you, were th you thought we were going into politics. You thought that inside baseball was played in the house. You ain't so smart either. Say, babe, tell me something. 
Is it true that you eat 20 hot dogs during a baseball game? That's one of those fool lies. Why, 20 hot dogs during a game would kill any man. I know it. A man who would eat 20 hot dogs is a pig during a ball game. Of course he would. Well, you didn't really believe that of me, did you, Lou? Of course not. How many do you eat during a ball game, babe? Nineteen. Say, babe, you've taken off quite a bit of weight in the past four years. Look at my figure, kid. All you've got to do now is to diet ten or fifteen more years and you'll almost look human. Boy, I'm careful of what I eat these days. Listen, babe, you have a farm where you grow your own food, don't you? Yes, I have a farm. Is it a nice farm? Well, it better be or I'm out a lot of money. What do you raise there? A lot of things. Celery, for instance. Really? You raise celery? Of course. What's a surprise? I thought Colonel Rupert was the fellow that always raised your celery. I said celery, not salary. You know what celery is, don't you? Sure I do. I had a roommate once who used to keep me awake all night, eating it in bed. You won the China automobile. Say, babe, speaking of automobiles, what's the matter with you lately? You haven't hit anybody with your automobile. It's getting harder and harder. There are too many motorists after the same jaywalker these days. And I haven't read of your being arrested for speeding lately, either. I've found a way to avoid that. How? When a policeman stops me, I autograph the car and give it to him as a souvenir. Gee, it must be great to get a half a million dollars a year like you do. Money isn't everything, Lou. That's what Colonel Rupert said when I asked him for a raise. In this game, Lou, you must start from the bottom and work up. Say, babe, why did you start your baseball life as a pitcher? In those days, I thought a man should work for a living. Gee, what a great year the Yanks had this season. Not so good. What do you mean, not so good? We lost a couple of games, didn't we? Yeah, I guess that was when I wasn't hitting. I've got to practice up this winter and bat better. If you bat any better next year, I'll put nails in your breakfast food. Listen, Lou, did it ever occur to you that you get a great bait batting after me? How come? A pitcher is under a great strain when pitching to me. And after I sack a home run, he is an easy mark for you fellas. Is that so? And how about the effect on a pitcher when you've nearly broken your back, swinging like a gate and struck out by a mile? He ain't so nervous facing the fellows who come up after you then, is he? Even when I strike out, I do it so hard that I scare the pitcher to death. No matter how you cut that stuff, it's still baloney. Why, as a matter of fact, you get the break. How? When you go to bat, the pitcher always knows that I'm up next. What's the result? He's so nervous, he puts one right where anybody could knock it out of the lot. Now I'll tell one. All joking aside, babe, what is the secret of your home run hitting? How do you stand when you hit the ball? I stood on flat on both feet until you came along. And now what? You have me on my toes. Well, I'm going to keep you there, too. Say, kid, lay off of that big mouth stuff. I didn't mean anything personal, babe. Okay, Lou. I've got to be beating it along now. So have I. You know, we've been talking for the phonograph. You don't suppose you've broken the record, do you? Between the two of us, we've broken all kinds of records. Say goodbye to the folks. Goodbye. See you all next season. How will they know with you when they see you? They'll know you, won't they? Of course they'll know me. Well, wherever they see you, they'll know I'm the guy that's right on your heels. So long, so long folks. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. That I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Thank you. Broadcast.
Broadcasting Company. Now in its seventh decade of bringing you baseball's memories. Baseball's milestones. Baseball's majesty. Baseball's Magical Moments. NBC Sports proudly presents the Major League Baseball Game of the Week. Tonight, from Riverfront Stadium, it's the Los Angeles Dodgers versus the Cincinnati Reds. Brought to you by GE. From satellites to medical systems, we bring good things to life. By Toyota. There's quality, then there's Toyota quality. Who could ask for anything more? And by Miller Brewing Company, sole sponsor of the U.S. Olympic Training Centers. Look at Mark Fidrich now. Each time he gets the ball back, you'll see him mumble a couple of words to the ball. The first man ever. The pitch five career no hitters. Catch him all, Joe. I don't believe what I just saw. For Mitchell, and he makes a pair-handed catch. Ricky goes, a pitch stick, and he's going to have it. Leaps high of the air, and he's going. Oh, incredible catch by the kid. And let it be said that number eight, Cal Ripken Jr., has reached the unreachable star.
to the Huntington Avenue grounds. Owner John Taylor, tired of playing in a rented park and eager to bring attention to land he was developing along the Fens, sold half of his team to finance the construction of Fenway Park. I said to my friend Skinny Nation, let's go and see how they're getting along. The late Morris Burke was approaching his 100th birthday in 1997 when he told Only a Game's Bill Littlefield the story of how he snuck into Fenway Park before workers had even installed the sod. No grass in the middle of February. So I walk out on the field, mud and all, and I said, this is about the way the pitcher would stand. Skinny, you go over there and you'll be the catcher. I threw imaginary ball, and he threw it back. And I came to be the first pitcher at Fenway Park. <laughs> Fenway Park's official first pitch was thrown out by Mayor John Honeyfitz Fitzgerald, grandfather to JFK and great-grandfather to Sweet Caroline. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. The Sox won the 1912 World Series at Fenway, but the park was deemed too small to host the team's 1915 and 1916 championships. But Fenway was more than big enough for the 1918 World Series. With the country at war and an influenza epidemic raging, even Morris Burke didn't make it down to the park. No, I wouldn't have been very interested. I had just graduated MIT, and I was trying to get a job to avoid the draft. Hey, who's that? Casey? Nope. It's Ted Williams, Red Sox power hitter extraordinary. Ted Williams debuted at Fenway in 1939 and soon caught the attention of a young Norman Dworkis. I was a member of the Knothole Gang, the Boston Braves. But his devotion to the Braves, who played at what's now Boston University's Nickerson Field, ended after one journey just a mile and a half down the street. Well, I went to see this big shot player from the Red Sox, saved my money, Went through the turnstile to unreserved seats in front right field. I never went to another Braves game. Fenway hosted the All-Star Game in 1946 and lost to the St. Louis Cardinals that same year in Game 7 of the World Series. Jack Fisher into his windup. Here's the pitch. Williams swings. And there's a long drive to deep right. That ball is going. 
That's Ted Williams hitting a home run in his last at-bat, September 28, 1960. When Williams left the game, so did many fans. Just four years later, on October 1, 1964, with the team in the gutter, only 306 of Fenway's faithful showed up to watch the Red Sox beat the Indians 4-2. It was the lowest-attended Red Sox game in Fenway's history. Eight days later, the Boston Patriots took on the Chargers in front of more than 33,000 fans at their home stadium, Fenway Park. They're just mobbing Jim Lundborg, and what a day this is! Some say the impossible dream season of 1967 saved Fenway. Before Longborg, Yaz, Tony C., and the rest came within one game of a World Series title, there had been a push to tear it down. Six forward. 60 seconds. On July 20, 1969, Sandy Sorrell was attending her first Red Sox game when Apollo 11 landed on the moon. The announcer stopped the game, and they showed it on the big screen, which in those days was totally black and white, and the crowd just went hush. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. The Red Sox went to the World Series again in 1975 and lost in seven games. In 1986, another trip to the series, another seven games, and another heartbreaking loss. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the greatest hitter that ever lived. When Ted Williams threw out the first pitch for the 1999 All-Star Game, it felt like Fenway's swan song. Just two months earlier, Red Sox CEO John Harrington had declared that it would be easier to straighten the Leaning Tower of Pisa than to fix Fenway Park. Larry Lucchino says he and his fellow owners, John Henry and Tom Werner, had other plans. It's a beautiful place. It has a historical feel. It, it uh, History it sort of oozes from its pores. Over the next decade, the new owners pumped more than $275 million into renovating Fenway. World Series wins in 2004 and 2007 silenced all whispers about the team being cursed, and the Sox have sold every seat at every game since May 15, 2003. New traditions have come to Fenway, too. When Dr. Charles Steinberg came on board with the new owners, he wondered what would happen if the team started playing Sweet Caroline at every game instead of just when the Sox were winning. Well, you would have thought I was, you know, looking to paint the green monster pink. Um, it It was a scary notion. Soon, Dr. Charles says, the Sox found that the song could turn losing games into winners. When you're talking about Sweet Caroline, It harkens back to Tessie in 1903, 1912, 1915, 1916, 1918, that the singing of the song was a contributor to the atmosphere that the players acknowledged gave them an advantage. Years later, Neil Diamond confirmed that Sweet Caroline was written for Caroline Kennedy, great-granddaughter of Honey Fitz, the mayor who threw out Fenway Park's official first pitch on April 20, 1912. For 90.9 WBUR, I'm Karen Gibbon.
Thanks for listening to the special edition of Boys of Summer and Pardon the Confusion. This is Paul Arnold. If you have requests for other baseball songs or things you'd like to hear, email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com. That's gobluearnold, A-R-N-O-L-D, at gmail.com. All right, let's play ball. center like you have jet shoes the other batters get the willy blues anything hit his way is out man it just don't pay those guys to clout say hey say willy say hey swing it at the plate say hey say willy that giant kid